This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is your go-to source for audiobooks on the go. If you're like me, you wish you could read more, but you just don't have time to kick your feet up and uh, sit down with a book. Well, Audible.com makes audiobooks on the go fast and simple. Just go to Audible.com, download the audiobook of your choice, and you can listen to that book in the car, at the gym, anywhere you are throughout your day. You can enjoy the awesome tones of audiobooks. So head on over to Audible.com slash mad to start your free trial today. That's Audible.com slash mad, M-A-D, and start your free trial today. Thanks, Audible, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's start the show. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you seriously? It's showtime. Good evening, Richard Bart. Hey. Wow. It is you. For real. It is. I'm live and in the flesh. <laughs> uh, by that I mean I'm fully new. <laughs> As you do. It's per requirement, actually, per yeah. contract. Yep. Yep. No, speaking of contract, I am I'm renegotiated and I've, uh, I'm back. The holdout is over. My long holdout is over and uh, Brian's has now begun. Yep. We, we, expect it to. Since just... we are both contracted podcasters and all co owners of this podcast, um, we just hold out one at a time yep. and negotiate two against one. And then, uh, and so you're up here in about a month. Yeah. Uh, be some interesting negotiating, considering I own it. <laughs> Getting to negotiate with myself—that'll be—that'll be, that'll be a, a quick and easy negotiation. But uh, it really feels like it's been—and I speak on behalf of myself and for the listener, I'm sure. And it feels like it's been quite a while since you've been on the show. Um, since we've all three been on the show, it's been even longer. But no, I missed—I uh, missed our my favorite episode is the Oscar episode, and unfortunately, I was not able to. Uh podcast or watch the oscars live which is the first in my lifetime i think wow yeah it's heartbreaking let's talk about this oh. let's take a few minutes and talk about okay. what happened what happened so i was in uh winston-salem north carolina beautiful winston-salem my it, is, it is gorgeous north carolina is a lovely state um unless we don't have any listeners from there then it's terrible yeah it's one of the worst places one of the worst just, but if we do have listeners, fantastic state. Yep, love it. I'm a big fan. Uh, so I flew into Charlotte, and then I drove about an hour and a half into Winston-Salem for an event for my other job, which, as we all know, is is I'm a, I'm a clown, and I perform. I thought you were animals. a cotton candy salesman. It, well, oh, I mean. You transitioned I, into the clowning. Well, it's just think, natural, yeah. Do you think you can sell cotton candy without being in full clown regalia? That's true. You've proven, anyway. you've proven that numerous times. Yeah. That's why I'm number one in the country. <laughs> That's why you've been arrested half a dozen times. So I <laughs> I did my event uh, sun, all day Sunday, and I drove back to Charlotte to fly out, and I had a whole plan. I even went over. I texted it to you in full. Yeah. I get to the airport. I get through security very quickly. I watch 35 minutes of the red carpet, which for some reason on the online version, was hosted by former Seven Up commercial star Orlando Jones, <laughs> right? And <laughs> of course, of course, as we all know, many years running the tradition, unlike any other. Uh, and I got to see him, and everyone he interviewed on the red carpet seemed just as confused as I was watching him sit through all that. And then, right 
and they go, ladies and gentlemen, now your 2016 Academy Awards with your host, Chris Rock. And the stream just cuts out and it says, this event is not streamable in your location, being all of North Carolina. We apologize for the inconvenience. And I was very, very angry. And it's probably best I didn't come on well, the show. That, that, is, that is quite inconvenient. The, yeah. The, the not being able to watch it part is pretty inconvenient. I'm I would glad say they're sorry is... about it, though. <laughs> I just don't understand why I'm totally cool with, you know, it, even in 2016, it's a little weird, but if something's a cable channel, I'm cool with you limiting the streaming. But if, if I could theoretically get a digital antenna and just hook it, you know, basically a coat hanger to the back of my TV and get your channel, I should be able to stream it right. really pretty much anywhere in the United States, I would think. Right. Yeah. It's a free. I'll watch. I'm not trying to avoid commercials. I'll but watch. That's everything. also that is broadcast, though. What you're saying, yeah. Bro- broadcast. The broadcast is totally different technically than the streaming, as far as like who pays, who gets paid. You know, I think that's I just, where that's where they draw the line is. on a network on a network show. It you should just be able to simulcast on your computer, right? Because it's it requires no cable fees to have of any kind to get abc right so i'm cool with just watching the exact version that's on tv with the exact same commercials and you know i just think they should make that exception for just for network anyway i was very upset yeah there's a discussion to be had there about why that is and uh, like i said i think it has to do with uh, who gets paid uh for me working in the internet side of the business. Uh, I know that our stuff on broadcast that we have on broadcast television and on online is totally different. Like it's a different sale almost like it's a completely different transaction almost as far as what the advertisers pay for because the internet, theoretically the internet uh, audience is so much larger or could be so much larger than the broadcast that, you know, how do you know what to charge? Because you don't, you don't really know what it's going to draw. Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, so, yeah. uh, what's confusing is that they did have it in some markets. I don't know. I, I guess that's a deal they had to work out with the, uh, the carry all providers there. Um, in some of those markets, they had to negotiate with some of the cable providers there. Um, I don't know what, what that deal is about, but I'm, I'm under the opinion of if I can watch it on my TV, I should be able to have it on my tablet. If I legally can have it on my TV. Exactly. If I've paid for it, then I should be able to have that same channel on my tablet whenever I want. If there's an app for it. Exactly. And if they have the, the technology to do it, if they've established the technology to do it. And uh, ABC, of course, if they show you the they show you the pre, uh, pre-Oscar pre show and they don't show you the actual ceremony, that's yeah. kind of mean. That's pretty mean. It's and, like the whole thing is like stream the Oscars here. Unless, of course, you're – I don't know what the boundary would be. I mean it's ABC. So why was it available – in other uh, clearly it was available somewhere because it wasn't available in North Carolina and they made sure to tell me that. Yeah. So it was bizarre. Oh well. Overall on the actual show, I think uh I think Chris Rock did a very admirable job. I think it was it was very expected that he would handle the content that he did. And to what degree he did it is is obviously been up to debate since the show. But I think you err on the side of, you know, that this is what he's really good at is is exploring this sort of racial dynamic and and painting things in a new light. And whether or not he overdid it or underdid it, I think 
all you can ask for is all those bits kind of in a vacuum with very few exceptions were solid, solid bits and better writing, quite frankly, than the Oscars has had in years. Right. And so, you know, it was it was a little less hackneyed uh, Bruce Valanche <laughs> style uh, as much as we love the Valanche. Um, Ken, I know you. He's I, a close I'm fan. a huge, huge fan. Yeah. yeah, he's a family friend of yours, and I, I know <laughs> those T-shirts come from you know companies that you invest heavily in, right? But uh, I think it really felt like a Chris Rock kind of produced and run thing. It, it didn't feel like he was as beholden to the Oscar writers and producers as as like someone like Neil Patrick Harris was, or uh, McFarland to a certain extent, even Ellen. Yes, yes, yeah. Ellen definitely, definitely kind of uh, played to that. But Ellen, Ellen was really, I think, good at doing Ellen-y type things. And if you're a fan of hers, they were great. If you're not, they weren't. But I think she, you know, the, the stuff you remember from that show is very Ellen-y, which is cool. I mean, she did a good job with in, in terms of the that. The selfie so, is what you remember from that. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. And that's like a super Ellen-y uh, move. So... I think Rock did a great job. I, I think he should definitely be in the rotation every four or five years. I think it's fun to watch him do stand up. I wish he would do a stand up special every four or five years, but I understand that that's he's got other obligations as well that probably pay more money. So totally cool with him in it. I mean, if I had to have my rotation, I'm fine with Ellen every few years. Try to think who else would be. I'm, good. I'm fine with Bal- I'm fine with Baldwin. Yeah, Baldwin and Steve Martin were great, but. Uh, there's it's it's such a hard job mm-hmm. and i think rock did a did a pretty pretty solid job with it now to the awards mm-hmm. i think i was pretty i was fine with pretty much everything my predictions were pretty on which is rare for me i had a pretty good year and ter- i think i had a pretty good feel for for everything uh cool with spotlight winning Beck's picture uh, as we've talked i'm i'm really high on that film i would have been fine with the revenant as well i'm not a i'm not a revenant hater i think I like spotlight a little more, but it's more material that I care about more than, than the revenant, but the revenant's an incredibly well-made, well-made film. Can't argue with it. White and McKay won the Oscar. I thought that was cool. Uh, someone that I've, I've been a fan of since I was probably in middle school. So it's cool to see someone like him get, you know, the, the comedic person sometimes is underappreciated in the Oscars and, and McKay is, is such a, comedic director so it was cool to see him get a screenwriting academy award uh you know rylance is we all love slide i would have loved to see slide win an oscar it reminds me a lot of i would have loved to see mickey rourke win but sean penn was incredible in milk and right. similar here i mean mark it can't, it can't be denied yeah it can't, yeah like, it's, he's the best mark actor in the world. didn't deserve it yeah rylance is is probably pound for pound the greatest actor in the world. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, if he beats you, then that's, that's okay. So, so I was fine with that one. Cool to see Leo get the award. Was happy for him. Big night for I, Mad Max. Big night for Mad Max. Big, big night. And, and that, that was cool. Just kind of break the heterodoxy of, of award show mm-hmm. films that come out in, in December. And so it's, I always like when, even though, you know, I gave, Mad Max, not the most glowing review. I always like when movies that come out in June win a lot of Oscars. I just think that's cool because I think the system can be so pandery and, and 
it's when you get things like the Danish girl coming out that, that really play to that. And I think it's funny that we're not funny. I think it's cool that I don't think Mad Max was made at any point or released at any point planning to win five or six Oscars. And it's cool that it did. I like when it's more, let's make the best movie we can make. Oh, cool. We won a few Oscars. That's always fun to me. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they were going for that with yeah. Mad Max. It's cool to see that it happened though. Exactly. Where something like Spotlight, though it's a great film, they're pretty aware the whole time they're making it that it's going to be an awards show contender. It's funny to see them kind of squeeze Star Wars into the broadcast as much as they could. Like, hey, remember this movie came out this year too? We know it did, but it's not nominated for much. But but Star Wars is, you know, definitely one of the best 10 films of the year. It has some, I think, Daisy Jones, or Daisy Ridley rather, should, should be uh, nominated. I think she was great in that she film. Was good. I think it's one, I think it's one of the best films of the year. I just don't see how that doesn't you don't throw a nomination. I'm just not I'm not even a Star Wars guy, but I just thought that was such a well executed, well made movie and and it just baffles me that but I think it'll be a lot like I think you'll see those movies if they continue at the same qual- quality and or improve a little bit bit by bit, I think you'll see them get more and more nominations with every film probably cresting at some point with either episode two or episode three winning several Oscars because that's what happened with Lord of the Rings, right? Where the, the first two were, were not able to ignore it. And then they just gave every Oscar possible to return of the game. So I could see something like that happening with star Wars. Other than that, that's pretty much all I have on the show. I thought it was a, it's a very deep year in terms of film, but not a very top every year. I I just don't know if, if the, the best films from this year are as good as some, some years we've had in the past, but it's, you know, the, the 17th best film of this year is, is better than the 17th best film of any other year. Does that make sense? Like, right. Uh, I, I but, feel like even like some films I'll remember this past year by, uh, weren't, weren't recognized like Steve jobs really yeah. other than the acting fast bender and, uh, and Kate Winslet's and uh, also the hateful eight wasn't, wasn't recognized much at all. Um, and right. those are two of the top four that I'll remember this year by along with Focus. Mad Max and star Wars. And yeah. And of Pixels. course, Jupiter ascending. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that was n- nary a mention of even of Jupiter ascending, which is nary a mention. <laughs> unfortunate, you know, as, as I think the best film of at least the first part of the year, I think we can I, all I thought for that. sure. Channing Tatum was going to win for best, Robot wolf alien <laughs> hybrid. It's tough. It's kind of like Rylance and Sly, you know. Right now, it was it was a it was a good year. We we looked forward to two. We've been doing this show now what three or four years. Right. We looked forward to this was the most predictable Oscars, maybe that we've had. It was. It, it was. was just, it was not much excitement going in because I feel like we kind of knew Spotlight was gonna it was gonna be its night, at least for Best Picture. I really thought but, Revenant was going to get Best Picture. I, I really didn't, did. I didn't think so. I don't. I didn't think it would win the big it's, one, but I I knew Leo would win, and I, yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I think. No, me too. I just I know Vegas had Revenant as the late favorite. It it, it made a jump this past week with some mm, of the buzz. But, interesting. But but uh, last year it was Birdman or Boyhood. Those yeah. were the two. We were like we didn't know. Nobody knew, and uh, it ended up being Birdman. I thought it was going to be Boyhood, but. So no, I think Boyhood's still better than anything that came out this year. Yeah, that's it's true. Like, they could have delayed it another year, and yeah, maybe would have had a shot. It definitely probably would have won Best Picture. I don't know. Spotlight's good. It was a it was a big week in Hollywood. 
And I guess we're getting back to the normal normal flow of things now. This right. movie, The Witch, we're talking about tonight, mm-hmm. has slowly been kind of making some money. Sure. And uh, people are uh, talking about it. It's not your typical January bomb like we would normally talk and like we did talk when we talked Zoolander 2. I think probably this has to be, you would think, one of the more lucrative Februarys in history because just because of Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I can't think of probably too many. I mean, maybe, maybe that were, were they January, but didn't some of the Taken films come out about this time of year yeah. or a little earlier? So, right. so maybe something like that competes. Maybe one of those years. Yeah. Uh, Cause the first Taken movie made a ton of money. And so did the second one. So, but Deadpool made just ton. It's gotta be 2016 is off to a pretty rocking start. Unfortunately, I don't know if it can sustain cause there's not, we, we do these uh, calendars where we, track everything that's coming out so we can plan shows around them and we get more and more depressed the further we look out right ken so yeah so the witch this past week tracked in at five million dollars just behind newcomers eddie the eagle Mm. which was the taron egerton ski jumping film with uh i guess hugh jackman and sort of a by the way same olympics father son kind of thing yeah go same olympics as or same year as as cool runnings right Big, big movie Olympics that year. <laughs> well, it, it only made $6 million opening weekend, so in a budget of 23, so that's always good. Not enough Jamaicans. Not nearly enough Jamaican bobsledders. <laughs> not or Jamaicans, enough, they just weren't bobsledding. Not enough oh. Dougie Dugs or Leons in that uh, in that film. Another movie, Triple Nine? Don't know much right, about this one. That's the Casey Affleck kind of oh. cop drama. It's got a great cast. Hmm. But you would uh, tell. Yeah, I like him. I like American Treasure Woody Harrelson, as always. Anthony Mackie. Wow. Yeah, it's got pretty. Not a big weekend for that either. Only six million over the And weekend. that didn't get totally killed either. I think it's like 50 or 60 or Rotten Tomatoes. Like, just kind of nobody weird... knows what it is kind of Yeah, thing. that probably should have come out in like September when I'm running the studio. So Risen and Kung Fu Panda 3 mm-hmm. uh, enter the top five. And then Gods of Egypt. Uh, another newcomer came in at number two with 14 million and, and uh, that'll be there for as the foreseeable future. Cause that's a film to be reckoned with for budget for of 140 million. Gosh, what, who greenlit that? <laughs> well, obviously Gerard Butler, they're thinking it was the day after 300 came out or something. And they greenlit that not yeah. 10 years later, almost 10 years later. It really is, yeah. That came out what February of oh seven, right? Yeah, crazy. Deadpool is again in the lead with thirty one million this past weekend for a total gross of two eighty five so far. Not bad for a fifty million dollar budget. Not bad at all. (laughs) Gods of Egypt cost a hundred million dollars more than Deadpool. And the CGI, (laughs) at least in the trailer, and and I'm not going to say I've seen it on the on the big screen, but the CGI looks dreadful. I don't don't understand what they spent the money on. Yeah, I don't either. It just seems like every year there's some studio head that wants some like by the beard of Zeus, you know, type film to come out. It seems like we've had we're about seven years in a row of something like that coming out. Yeah, uh, kind and- of fantastical. Egyptian or Grecian myth action film. And and 300 did well. Did that rock, did the Hercules movie with the rock do well? 
Financially, I don't think so. Okay, so I, I, I think it made money. It just wasn't. So wasn't if a, a movie with The Rock as the lead is not a pretty big hit, then maybe rethink. I know three hundred made money, but I don't think any of these other ones have made anything. Yeah, and maybe <sighs> start rethinking the, you know, mythical action film for just take ten years off. I don't know if there needs to be one of these every year. Yeah, I I agree, and it, it's. I'm ready for the January February period to not be the low. I'm 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 ready for Wes Anderson to release a movie or at least we got Hail Caesar. That was kind of a high point. That and was Deadpool. Fun. But yeah, I think this was been a pretty good. It is weird though, right? When you're like, it's the time you're celebrating. It's two months of no nothing pretty much coming out. Yeah, between and one, Christmas and the Oscars, it's when the industry is celebrating itself the most. So it's <laughs> you're really paying attention to how great the business of film is doing mean meanwhile at the box office <laughs> gods of egypt yeah. it's, it's tough is there any movie news you want to talk about richard that we haven't hit on in the past couple of weeks well speaking of deadpool it looks like yep. we're getting an r-rated director's cut of batman v <laughs> obviously i wish we can't because it's we keep it we keep it PG here on the Mad About Movies podcast, and we're proud of that. We like having a nice, broad audience of all ages. But I wish we could publish the text that Kent and I have sent on what a Batman versus Superman like Dead, written like Deadpool would sound like. Yes, <laughs> the pandering. Oh, we got to make this R rated. That made money. Yeah, and just forcing in, just forcing uh, in content. pop culture references. Yeah, yeah, and and gratuitous, stuff. yeah, and gratuitous language for no reason. Right. Yeah, I wish we could show us. But just so you know, listener, we're we're funny off the air as well. Uh but yeah, it's just it's such a there I mean, it's that's such a reactionary organization over there. And I hope they're making a good product because they sure are borrowing from everyone else. I don't know if I want a R rated Superman Batman movie. It just doesn't feel right to the source material. Much. That's what I mean. Does it? That's what's it's, it's so, so forced. To do, yeah, it's so of the moment. Yeah. Deadpool can be R rated. And even a Wolverine movie can be R rated because the source material is. But Superman is like for kid oh, for kids. Batman that's especially. Like make, yeah, that's like making a that's like making an R rated Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Which I would put past them. <laughs> Right, it's almost the same. You're right. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're bring, we're gonna re, hey, we're, we're reimagining, we're rebranding, we're bringing back the Power Rangers, but it's gonna be a hard arc. Kent. It's like they're they're telling the story like it was meant to be told. <laughs> well, it was a comic book in the forties. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. You had a great, uh, you had a great Benefer joke in the. Yeah. I'm 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 proud to be your friend for that that joke. It was I did. Everyone forgot about Benefer until it pops up in a meta <laughs> Batman v Superman R-rated de- featuring Deadpool. And but the Brandon, I mean, and the Brandon Ralph jokes are even better. Right. They they work in it makes everything better. Yeah. <laughs> we I'm just confused as to what could be R-rated about it because the it, it's got to be comic book type violence. You know it's what I mean? Be, it doesn't be crazy. Unless he just stuff. chops his head off or something. I just don't, you know? Well, I mean the, the whole last act of, of man versus steel was essentially like a, a man versus steel. I mean, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm so man of it's steel. The, uh, man versus food spinoff with Shaq <laughs> and, uh, 
it's Shaq and the guy from Man yeah. vs. Food, and they, yeah. they Guy Fieri takes he's the Lex Luthor, and he takes him the barbecue yeah. joints. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg does an incredible Guy Fieri. No, Man of Steel, rather. The entire last act is essentially like this super violent genocide of an entire city ended with a super up-close neck-breaking scene. (laughs) it did. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Man of Steel. Well, we already know that Batman has guns in this movie because of all the action figures that have already come out. So that's good. We need our Batman with AK-47s in this this time of crisis in America. <laughs> you want to be influential on people, Zack Snyder? How about you don't have Batman with machine? I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, no, I Batman has never had guns and this is not the time. You know what? He needs guns. I don't. Well, and we've proven that guns are pretty useless against Superman. So I don't even really get right. All of his paranoid bullets, maybe. Yeah, man, he's going to, Eisenberg's going to discover that kryptonite. I'm going to go ahead and call that Lex discovers kryptonite, gives it to Batman to use on Superman, and then Superman, I mean, Batman decides not to, and that Lex is the real villain, and then they unite and form the Justice League. It's concerning to me, and I'm excited to see the movie because I have no idea what to expect. I don't know whether it's going to be good, bad, horrible, great. I don't know. You know it's going to be two and a half hours, though. So that's good. But what I do know is that I didn't want to pre-order my midnight screening and do that whole bit for this. I didn't feel that. Don't was worry, worth, I got, but, I got you, bro. Okay, good, thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> but there are plenty of people that are doing that, mm-hmm. and um, we have some listeners doing it. And they're kinda, excited. You know it's who like... you want to unfriend. It's really kind of convenient, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Well, it is going to be cool to watch everyone CrossFit while they're in line. When you drive by the theater. So that'll be cool. I heard today, thanks to a lovely listener on the Twitter who sent uh us that uh, Zack Snyder is going to do a George Washington movie. So Chris Hemsworth as George Washington is going to be awesome. Maybe uh, John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) He's more stature. We need someone that fits the stature of... (laughs) Exactly, of the first president. His worth is too. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not American, and there's something you can't have a non American play George Washington. Well, they had a British guy play Superman, so right. And and Abraham Lincoln. So uh no, but George Washington's gotta be a big piece of American meat. So I think I think Cena's definitely your guy. And he looks just like him. I can't wait for that. I know. What I can't wait for is for Batman v Superman to be He's gonna chop down that cherry tree with his fingernails. That's how yoked he's going to be. Is when Batman v Superman makes money, but it's horrible. Fanboys to be upset, and then Warner Brothers to be like, "Oh crap, he's in the middle of making Justice League right now." You know, <laughs> like we've we're too far into this right now to like at least they should have held off for until this came out before they started making Justice League. Does that mean I don't? Like they've already committed this far, I realize they're going to do it anyway. But yeah, you don't want Fantastic Four to happen and have all these plans, and then it come out and everyone hates it, and um, then then just have to abandon the sequel, kind of just sweep it under the rug because this would be a not this would not be an easy one to do that to at all. It's going to be a very interesting. You're you're absolutely right. The the paradox between it. 
how the studio interprets the money that it makes versus the quality of the film. Because I think mm-hmm. it's obviously, as we've said a hundred times, it's going to make a ton of money because it features two of the five most iconic kind of action movie characters of all time. You know, so if put it to you this way, if you made James Bond versus Jason Voorhees or whatever. Voorhees. <laughs> Voorhees. Voorhees. They've done that. Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I mean, but if you did it in the summer, or maybe James yeah. Bond, who's more action star? James Bond versus Jason Bourne. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's gonna even if it was terrible. Yeah, that makes 150 million with its eyes closed. So yeah, the film's gonna make money. It's just if it's really really bad, I would say I think they're fine with 35 percent and up on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I think they can live with that. If it, if it comes in at a 48, they're fine. It's making money. Maybe it's not a critical darling, but but people are cool with it. But yeah, if, if it's sub thirty five and there's some fanboy rage, they're gonna think, "Oh no, we've we've locked this guy up for five five films." And, <laughs> and like the thing that's interesting to me is I don't I just these films seem so dark in tone. I don't know how how do you build a theme park ride off of these, which is the whole point. Yeah, I don't know. How do you how do you sell toys if the kid's too traumatized when he leaves the theater because we had to watch Superman rip part of, you know, he's like scalping Batman's army or something like it just, we already, it just we already know we have a dinosaur smart. version of general Zod in this. Like, yeah. That looks like looks so horrible. loud and obnoxious. Yeah. looks like it's going to terrify every kid. That's what you want with a Batman versus Superman movies for kids to be fleeing the theater in terror. <laughs> I will be fleeing the theater in terror, but for a different reason. I'm sure. I think we're underestimating how bad, the Brothers Grimsby is going to be and how oh. fun it's going to be. It's a Louis Lettier and it's going to be maybe times 10. Maybe now you see me times 10 because it's a com- <laughs> It's trying to be a comedy. I know. And that could make it worse. I just don't understand Sasha Baron Cohen. I would have bought all the stock in the world after Borat. He just, it's just not, it hasn't gone well these last 10 years. Not at all. Well, he's done some smaller work. Yes, he's, not he's in very his, not in his headline. I enjoy so. him as an actor still, and I like him a lot as a person. Whenever he, he was on WTF last week, and he's a really interesting guy, and and has really interesting theories on comedy, and it seems very self aware. But that guy just he's not turning out the best stuff from as a comedian, as a comedic actor, as as just a straight up actor. He's great. I I still think. You know, give him his Oscar any time whenever he wants to do the Freddie Mercury film. If Queen will ever let him do it the right way, I think, mm-hmm. I think he's an incredible talent in terms of just pure acting. He's born to play that part, but, but in terms of who, okay, option A: Sasha Baron Cohen, written, produced, starring, comedy. Option B: Mike Myers, written, produced, starring, comedy. Which do you go see? Right now, tomorrow, right now in 2016, Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, so he hasn't quite gone to the Myers. Like I know Mike Myers isn't funny anymore. (laughs) Like I, I can't remember the last time. I remember the last time Sasha Baron Cohen made me laugh. I don't remember the last time Mike Myers made me laugh. Maybe, uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, that was ninety. Face when Kanye started talking was pretty funny. That that was not on purpose though. That was. We're laughing at his expense, but I mean, nothing he did in the 2000 love guru was bad. All the Austin power sequels were bad. Um, the Shrek movies, he voiced those 
Um, that's fine, I guess. He was good in Inglorious. Same with, but not you know, funny. Exactly. I'm talking about laugh. Um, yeah, my in none of the SNL stuff he did. Yeah. You know, coming back as Wayne. Um, that wasn't very funny either. The Doctor Evil thing was not funny when he reprised that role a couple yeah. Uh, months yeah. ago. Yeah, but I'm, I'm all like, out. I'm all out on Myers, but I still have hope for okay, Sasha. Yes. Sasha needs to do just do Ali G show, but I don't know if he needs new characters or something. But he needs to just he needs to do that style of comedy again. And um, I, I recognize. I guess it's that he's too recognizable now to do Borat anymore. You know, but I don't know. He was just so good at the uh, um, improvisational stuff. Yes. With people who are not improvising yeah. back, which is always very impressive. I still maintain you should have won the Oscar for Borat because the definition of acting is is becoming someone else and everyone thought he actually was that character, <laughs> which you can't say for the any FBI did. Ever. The FBI followed him around. <laughs> exactly. So that's the definition of, of acting to me, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Brother Grimsby looks terrible. Okay, rank these four in terms of they've written and or produced and are starring in a comedy. One, one being the one you're most likely to go see, four being the last. Mike Myers, Sasha Baron Cohen, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, wow. Probably uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, number one. Okay. Uh, Jim Carrey, two. Okay. Sandler, three. And then Mike Myers is last. Yeah. Okay. That's, how, does it, how does your list go? I would say You're probably Sandler ahead of of maybe Sandler number two for you, right? I would say Sasha one. This is tough. Yeah, it's the last three are kind of see the thing with Myers is the kind of wrinkle is it has been a while since he's tried to do anything, so there is kind of the air of because Love Guru was like eight years ago, so I'm not saying he's he's got a trick up his sleeve, but. You could you could sell me on. He, this I just is think that style of comedy is. is oh, I know. Is the thing past. about Myers is he's got six jokes, and they're pretty funny. But when you when you're trying to make ten movies out of those six jokes, it gets really tired really fast, right? Mm-hmm. He had enough jokes for the Wayne's World movies and one Austin Powers, and that's it. Unfortunately, he tried to make multiple Austin Powers and The Love Guru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd go Sasha. I'd go probably go Sasha one. Uh, I think Jim. I think Jim Carrey, not comedically, but I think Jim Carrey still has some juice. No, I agree. But I'm saying parts. this is a a produced. This is like oh. a Jim Carrey comedy joint, like another Ace Ventura. We saw Dumb and Dumber. It's it's not him acting in a role. It's like this is a Jim Carrey way more, way more comedy hope for that than I would Mike Myers. Way okay. more hope. I don't know about you, but. They're they're all bundled together. I can't even. They they all make me sad. When's the last time Carrie made you laugh? Oh, that's that's. We're going back slightly after Myers, but I think me myself and Irene. So two thousand. Yeah, that was probably. And I'm not saying that's a great. I don't know. Yes, man. I laughed a couple of times. Yeah. Not at the movie, but at some things that Jim Carrey. Yeah, being sure. Jim Carrey, you know. I'm just trying to. I. I'm not saying I didn't. I just don't remember that. I barely remember that movie. I know I saw it. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, no, I remember it. It was kind of like Liar Liar Two in a way, Mm -hmm. and and uh, there was a scooter involved. If I remember, like a movie only Jim Carrey could do. Sure, totally, absolutely. 
I just don't. Yeah. I think I'm sure I laughed at that because that was pretty decent. I just the one I remember laughing at last was me, myself, and Irene. So they're all. It's been 15 years since any of them made me laugh, which is crazy. So I guess we should talk the witch. Richard. Let's laugh at the witch. Let's laugh at the witch. And I think you. I think uh, we should note that Brian isn't here. Uh, not a horror fan. He's crying. Okay. He's in a in the fetal position, just thinking, looking at the trailer. I'm pretty sure he made the right choice for this, though. Um, I, I do I have think... to say, of all the horror movies I've ever seen, you ready, Kent? Are you sitting mm-hmm. down? This one was the goat. <laughs> oh, I get, I got you. Because of because of goats. Yeah. <laughs> goats. <laughs> Greatest of all time. Also, yeah. It's a. Uh, we we. I think we're done. Right. That's yeah, the episode. Done. That's the whole. We're good. But this was pretty creepy, and it probably would have creeped him out. I know he doesn't like the uh, ghosty spirit demon type stuff. Yes, Um, I can do this stuff all day. I I don't know what my my favorite genre of horror is as far as stuff that makes me as far as stuff that makes me scared. Uh But I would say my favorite is slasher movies. I like the Friday the Thirteenth and the Scream and the uh, Freddy Krueger. I like that's my this. favorite style of of horror. What about you? What are some of your favorite ones? Mm, I like the the classic slasher stuff too. I like. I'm a sucker for like really cheesy like Chucky style mm-hmm. too. <laughs> Chucky is funny because it's a uh, yeah, baby doll I, or whatever. I, yeah. Exactly. I have kind of a. I I do require a certain amount of camp in my horror movies. I don't like them normally when they're super self serious because. Here's my thing. I'm I have some sort of psychological issue that I laugh a lot during horror movies because I'm sure I'm just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so if there's like a level of camp to them, I don't feel like a psychopath. <laughs> but if I'm just laughing in a by the book horror movie, then I just look like an insane person. Uh but also for me to be entertainment, I'm not like phobic of scary movies. I'm not really freaked out by them, but I do I'm not normally very entertained by them. So there needs to be kind of some humor to it to entertain me. Like I always enjoy like the Evil Dead movies because they were campy, Child's Play, The Leprechaun, like that kind of stuff. I could dig, even as a little kid, like way too young to be watching them because I could kind of vibe with their their the silliness of it and the gratuitous gratuitousness of it, if that's a word. Uh, but I tend to not like something like, really like this that's like very serious, but. But that's that's a Richard issue, not a film issue. Yeah, this one didn't feel traditional much to me at all. Uh, I don't see many horror movies much anymore in the theater. And I do catch a lot of them on Redbox and Netflix when they come out. Sure. But this one uh, was a must-see for me in the theater. I think The Conjuring is one of the last that I remember seeing in the theater, other than ones we've done for the show. Are those show. good, Kent? Are the Conjuring ones? I haven't seen those. Conjuring has only had one so far. The sequel comes oh, okay. out this year, though. Okay, I knew there was a sequel. Okay. Conjuring, so yeah. That one, watch out for the sequel, but that was one of the more well-received yeah. or like haunting movies cool. uh, in a while, and that one's worth checking out. Um, but don't see a lot of them in the, in the theater, but this one is getting some buzz, and enough buzz for us to do an episode. I think there's only the second horror movie. We did the evil dead remake an episode on it. Maybe the second horror movie we've ever done on the show. Well, the, uh, the visit. The visit. Of. Yeah, that was a horror movie. We did do that. 
And then that uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, kind of. Oh, yeah. Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. We've done done done, a couple. Yeah, I would say we've done like three and a half. Right. (laughs) That makes sense. I forgot about The Visit. Wow. Yeah, so did everyone. (laughs) So so this is your your yearly trek into the woods because you hate the woods and you're not a big horror fan either. So this was a double whammy. It was. It was. It was not. I wasn't miserable, though. During this movie, mm-hmm. it's it's. Or you want to go ahead and give general thoughts? Sure. I'll go first. It was not. It's a. It's a movie I don't think is very good, but I I am kind of excited to to see more stuff from this filmmaker. I thought it was a because this is his first or second film, right? Right. And I think he. We'll get the spoilers in a little bit. I think it gets a little conventional towards the end. Not conventional in terms of normal narratives, but it kind of follows a typical horror twist at the end and i actually kind of enjoyed it more before that just with the really kind of the this movie does a good job of of letting the creepiness really kind of just set over you and Uh it weird you out slowly it's not it's not a super jump scary movie it's not beating you over the head with violence not that i'm against either of the two but it's really kind of a it's really letting atmosphere creep you out and and circumstance creep you out and the actors are very good. So I think this filmmaker has, and I, I keep forgetting their name. So I'll, Robert I'll, Eggers. Isn't Robert it? Eggers. I think I, I will definitely see his next movie. It was good enough to where I'll see that, even though I didn't love it. If that, if that makes any sense. What about you, Ken? What'd you think? Yeah. yeah. It shows some promise. That's for sure. Um, definitely more of a psychological thriller than I expected it to be. Sure. I thought it would be much more of a jump scare kind of a movie. And, uh, it's very creepy. Um, yes. I will give it credit for authenticity, though. Mm-hmm. I felt the language. I felt the yeah. language was extremely well written and, I guess, natural to the time period. I don't see a lot of movies or read a lot of literature from that time period, but I felt Richard, the English major, can comment on this more. I did. I took feel a class. authentic to the, the period here? Yeah, I took a class. Very much so. I took a class one time by accident that was like, I forgot how it was described. I It was one of those things... You know, for those listeners that have been to college, uh, you know, there's certain classes you take because you're passionate about them, you know, once you get to be a junior or senior. And then there are certain classes you take because you need the credit and or they take place during a time that you you can take a class. Like, oh, yeah, I have from 11 to noon open. I'll just take that class. I, I need that. Take that credit. Right. I don't care what. It is. And I took this class and it was like diseases in literature. <laughs> and... It was oh, that all, sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it was all about kind of the Pilgrim era and how they dealt with... It was really... She ended up being a very, very good professor, though I had zero interest in the subject matter. She, As, as all good teachers do, they sort of foster that interest. Uh, but they... All about the kind of literature of kind of early American life and plague <laughs> and sick smallpox and, and sickness and all of this. So I have kind of a familiarity with that language because I've read things. Like there's a book called like I Tichuba and a few others that I read in there that, uh, that aren't coming to mind because I'm, I'm getting old, but it, it was very authentic that that was one of the cooler parts of it is someone who's accidentally studied some of, of that time Yeah, uh, that it, it, it did feel very literate, very intelligent of of that time historically yeah this is with a, a nice twist 
it's just an interesting time to set a movie and some of these folk tales that you hear some of these you know stories that have been written in as basically as fact by people who lived back then is some like the Salem witch trials and um in that time period is quite interesting and interesting for subject matter for a movie nonetheless and i just hadn't seen a very well executed movie set back then and this feels like it it feels like the one that maybe we're going to start getting some more intelligent horror um i'd hope so instead of the the standard i mean that's been parodied so many times you know Mm -hmm. the hot girls you know going out on a camping (laughs) trip and then you know whatever you know and look there's certainly a place for that there is a place for that that's what i I mean was gonna say but yeah no i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you there's totally a place for that but you're right that i think the horror's problem over the last 20 years is when you think of horror movies you think of that you don't think of it as a broad genre which it really could be right and i think the directors fall fate to the I'm going to try to scare everyone rather than just do what I think is scary. And I think there's a big difference there. Um, and trying to, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Definitely. Uh, I just feel like some, like some of that vintage Shyamalan and stuff like that, he wasn't thinking about the bigger picture in a lot of it. And I, I just think that some of them, some of the great horror directors lose sight of the objective and you know what is scary anymore there's no there's no set definition of scary you know i guess you could say that uh laughing is i mean comedy is when you laugh if you laugh at it then sure. that makes it comedic uh scary is 10 times more subjective than comedy even uh and i guess you can assemble certain elements you know sound and music and dark and you know, disturbing images to create a scare. But I think some of the best scares come from situational scares and Maybe uh, this is observational just scares. Then Totally. Maybe it's just me, but as someone who thinks about this stuff a lot more than me, I think so much of it is sound. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just, uh, maybe I'm just super auditory, but I just think, you know, a good sound piece on a horror movie to but me. Then you, you, yeah, but then you, then a movie like Blair Witch comes along and there's no music and there's no sound except right. for the natural sound of the video game. I mean, you know, yeah. and it just completely rewrites the, the book mm-hmm. of horror. You know, what is scary? That's the question. And it's just a good one to, to discuss. And there's been several, you know, iterations of trends of horror and almost like comedy, you know, uh, sort of the R rated gross out comedy is what's, popular now but you know 10 years ago it was the mike myers stuff it was the uh the adam sandler stuff and uh horror is i think going back towards their roots now i see a lot more influence of john carpenter and wes craven and more recent horror than in years past and i like that i think they're shying away from the sinister and insidious kinds of movies you know yeah, and I think they're going. I mean, they more should definitely the... throw, throw one of those out every year around Halloween. That's fine. We get it. You know, the people go see that just like they go to a haunted house. But I think throughout the rest of the year, I like the more kind of like you said, the more John Carpenter seeming uh, 
intelligent horror, I think, plays better and I think does well. This movie's done well on a small budget. And I think with good scripts and things, if horror more than anything else, if movies are going to have, especially horror movies are going to have their audience on opening weekend. But what determines a horror movie really being a hit is that word of mouth that, hey, you got to go see this. It's so scary. It's so freaky. Blah, blah. And and I think if you, it really, there's a certain quality of the the authenticity of the scare that really spreads and and people will go see it and go see it and go see it and the originality of it and you see these movies that come out like you said the insidious seven and paranormal activity 14 that come out they come out around halloween and and there are theme park rides and they do an awesome opening weekend because everyone says hey it's october 13th i want to go see this but then they immediately fizzled the next week and I think something like this has a lot more chance to have some legs. I think so too. And definitely releasing it in February. Yeah. Interesting. Unexpected, especially it's a good horror movie. Uh, there was like 25 studios involved. Did you see the opening yeah. credits? That was, yeah. well, I thought that was like a bit at first. So did I. I don't, I mean, I'm assuming they just kind of went to all their friends, you know, and kind of throw me a couple thousand here and we'll give you production credit kind of thing. Uh, maybe self-funded. I can't find a budget for this anywhere, but it's already made um, dozens of millions. I'll say uh, around twenty-five million. So not bad for uh, for it seems to be a self-funded and self-produced movie by Robert Eggers, who like like you said, Richard uh, hasn't done much. This is it. It is in this. He's done this in a couple of short films. He did a Hansel and Gretel short film. It looks like. Okay. Uh, so is couple. he? In, I mean, as far as you know, mostly a horror. Uh, he's very brand, he's brand new. I don't think yeah. he's. I guess I'm guessing that. Uh, he's yeah, it looks do, like he's doing a Nosferatu film next. Nosferatu. Yes. You know. You know that. Uh, I think. I think it's Warner who owns the rights to the classic monsters of Hollywood. They're bringing all those back. Okay. The Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon and Dracula. And uh, Johnny Depp is doing the Invisible Man, uh, which is just he's just been cast in that. And so it's they're just bringing all, back the. Just, it's just all scarves. <laughs> it's all, just all yeah, it is. It makes it convenient. He just wraps <laughs> himself in scarves and he just uh, shows up. Yeah. He comes right out of the car, right out of the Lexus. It'll be and... interesting to see what direction they go with those, because those are some of the biggest properties. I mean, the likenesses of those characters, the classic Hollywood monsters, is are, are iconic. And I still there's don't so know much how we intellect- don't have a, a good Van Helsing series, right? There's so much intellectual property in those classic monsters that you know that uh, Hotel Transylvania series that yeah. Sandler has done. Yeah, there are so many intellectual property laws with those characters that even you know how they have Frankenstein and Dracula and all that in those movies. But those, if you look at them, they're like weird versions of Frankenstein. Like you can't have right. the bolts in certain places and. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's just an interesting read. Just Google uh, Hotel Transylvania and uh, Frankenstein, and there's an article about all the links that Sandler had to go through to pass off the rights of those characters. That's an interesting read interesting. Uh, in and of itself. But what were you saying? Sorry. No, no, not at all. I think, yeah, I was saying it's it's kind of crazy that I think no movie lends itself to kind of combining a lot of different audiences in. 
than like a really cool Van Helsing film. And it's yeah, crazy. Tom that- Cruise has been circling that forever. The reboot. They're trying to okay. get Tom Cruise to do Van Helsing, but be cool. I'd be in on that. You know, I wouldn't even mind Hugh Jackman. We thought Hugh Jackman would have been the right choice, yeah. right? I mean, like I said, like I think I've talked about this on the pod. I think you make that movie exactly as they made it, like nine times out of ten, it's a hit. It's I just, just don't think it, that people was care about that genre. Like even Diesel did that last Witch Hunter last year, you know, that sure. kind of I'm gonna go hunt demons in the darkness of the night, you know, Hellboy Hellboy's the exception, I guess, but uh, you yeah. know, like Hellboy had a lot of humor. Priest and loose yeah. and what? Priest, there was a Legion. There was a Legion. Yeah. Remember that one? Yep. So I don't know if those do very well. Pride, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies did pretty well though this past month. <laughs> <laughs> Who thought that would have worked? I, don't, I remember when those books came out, and if they had made the if when those books came out in like 2009, 2010, if they could have made the movie right then, it might have been a hit. I read the that, uh, Abraham was Lincoln a, vampire, vampire yeah, hunter one. That was kind of a thing for a couple minutes where those kind of, hey, let's put uh, kind of fun characters into classic literature. But making that movie six years later is really dumb. Pride and prejudice. That'd be like if zombies. they were just now like, hey, we're doing a Twilight film. It's like, no, you kind of got to cash in on that while you can cash in on it. The plot synopsis is five sisters in 19th century England must cope with pressures to marry while protecting themselves from a growing population (laughs) of zombies. (laughs) It's a hilarious little gag book. I just, it doesn't need to be an $80 million. So the witch, uh, intelligent horror. uh, That was the point I was making 20 minutes ago before the tangent, uh, intelligent horror. And I thought the introduction of the actual witch was very well done. The kind of peekaboo game they're playing with the baby and yeah, the uh, snatching of it, that was creepy, I will yeah. say. And uh, I think they showed maybe a little bit too much of the witch in the beginning of this. Did you feel that way? Like too much of, of a reveal? You know the whole yeah the whole thing that made Jaws great. Of course, we've said this before: is that you don't see the shark until the end. You just kind of know it's there through the music and circumstance just like um, we don't know we don't see mark ruffalo as a magician. <laughs> and then the reveal right yeah the magical magical reveal i hadn't really thought about that kent but i do agree with you now that you kill some of up. the tension yeah totally especially totally. the way they so the baby gets snatched and they immediately cut to the woods they cut cut to a wide shot of the woods and in the lower right hand of the wide shot you see the figure of the witch like walking through the woods with the, yeah. the child, and it should have cut away there and then back to the house. You know, it okay. shouldn't. It shouldn't have ever stayed in the woods with the witch. You know what I mean? I think there should yeah. have been more mystery around why the kid was taken, what was happening. Is that even the witch? You know, and uh, that's maybe a way I a route I would have gone down or an edit I would have made. But I, it worked for me here too. I think the witch was creepy and. It was horrible what, why she took the kid and all that. But yeah. that came, you know, 25 minutes into the movie instead of maybe 50 minutes in, like I would have preferred. But what did you think of the actual witch? Was it scary to you? Did you did Do you find this thing scary, this type of scare? I, the, the kind of paranormal, satanic, yeah, uh, kind of ritualistic stuff. 
No, I, I, I live at a very, I've never had any sort of ex- experience with anything like that. I tend to think, I tend to find things more shockingly. Yeah. You haven't had any experience in satanic rituals. I can't barely, I chuck. Yeah. I was I hardly Anton, know you, Richard. <laughs> I know. I was Anton LaVey for Halloween in second grade. Yeah. Um, they, I tend to find things more scary the more like I'm scared of like prison shows because I can see myself going to prison <laughs> one day right? and the woods because I have to drive by woods sometimes like that kind of stuff freaks me out that I, I would have to deal with. Uh, I, d- I don't plan on having any sort of experience from down under and I'm not talking about Australia uh, at any time in my life for a variety of reasons. And so I, I don't, I just kind of look at it as, insane it doesn't really freak me out at all uh, same with witchcraft i i have hardly any i did have a girl and kent you may know this because you and i went to high school together i did have a girl at one point put a hex on me yeah she was she was into witchcraft in high school and i did have a a hex put on me so far so good i'm I'm still kicking and maybe it was that i had to do a podcast with you guys for a long time that was my (laughs) hex but i'm I i apparently have been hexed um, but I, I seem to, to be getting by okay. So I've, I have very little experience with, with, with witchcraft as well. So I, it just seems so kind of silly to me, but this was creepy. Like the way, the way they presented it, certainly. I think seemed, the small quarters really help. Like the uh, fact you have, that you're on the farmhouse the whole time. And yes, it's like a bottle episode of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's certain things that, I don't think are necessarily inherent, but they are definitely put into us by culture that just kind of creep you out. And this movie does a really good job of in a nuanced way, hitting on, on almost all of those uh, and really letting you get this feeling of pure evil. Yeah. I never had really thought about the origins of witches before, but I guess sure. it's more satanic than I had thought. I guess sure. I just didn't know what, what made witches evil. I just knew that they were evil. The only only witch stuff I've seen is the Wizard of Oz and Hocus Pocus. So, no, yeah, it really... makes you want to stay away from prideful conceit, right? <laughs> Definitely, I'm going to stick away from that. Right. The I thought the family story was actually a, a good touch here, and it made it not so just give me the scares. I actually cared about the family here and their family situation. If that made sense. Um, this sort of uh, strong female protagonist that you're rooting for, mm-hmm. and uh, her family struggles, and you don't. I don't. I didn't know the motives at all here. I didn't know if the dad was behind this. I didn't know this was a setup. If the witch, you know, just put a hex on them and they were going to go insane the whole time. Do you know what I mean? I didn't. I didn't know how this was going to end up or what direction they were going to go down because there was so many possibilities with with uh, ways to scare me, if that makes sense. The witch could jump out or the, the kid could be possessed, which he was. So that was, uh, that was definitely something I didn't expect was how multidimensionally scary it was. Mm-hmm. If that makes, if that's even a phrase, multidimensionally scary, I'm going to use trademark that t-shirt it. But and we'll, uh, we'll, we're about to go into a little more detail here. So we'll throw a spoiler alert out now. Oh, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers on something like this. I really like, the thing I like most about this film is it doesn't have, it doesn't force the kind of traditional Hollywood ending. And 
it ends. It's not afraid to take it to kind of the next level in bleak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really thought that was cool. So you would say typical Hollywood ending would be well, there's really, everybody's safe and sound. and Yeah, maybe you lose one or two people. Yeah. Normally it's like a black friend in traditional horror, um, which is awful. Uh, but you lose a few like characters that we're apparently not supposed to care as much about some, some, maybe a damsel in distress dies, but you know, your main protagonist, everyone's good and, uh, everything seems to be okay, but maybe a hand comes out of the grave at the end, but that's about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, this really went to the next level of no, it's, you know, this is a game changer for this whole family and many of them are no longer alive. And now, uh, Darwin is 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 going to join this kind of coven, right? That was kind of it was pretty climactic, I will say. At the end, yeah. when they're doing yeah. the whole ritual song and yeah. they all start I, raising into the air, I thought that was kind of pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> actually, got to give me chills a bit. Like I was kind of giving going to give this a certain grade, and when I walked out, I walked out with the chills, and I was kind of like, "Hey, that's what these movies are for." So I'm gonna I'm gonna bump my grade up a little bit because I definitely left here more creeped out than I entered. It definitely shows you that it doesn't take a big budget or big, huge effects to make an effective, scary horror film. I think in fact, the opposite. It's like the most simple stuff you know, Blair Witch was made for 10 grand or whatever. It's the most simple ideas that kind of, and so was paranormal activity that really hit kind of scare people. Cause it's well, be, like you said, of, like you ahead. said, and you were making the point with the prison earlier, the stuff that's most likely to happen yes. to you is the scariest. So, and when you, when you, another way of wording that is when you make something on a low budget, you're forced to make it very intimate you, because you can't go broad. Mm-hmm. And that's what freaks us out. Intimacy mm-hmm. of horror is way more. I mean, just look at your typical blockbuster, right? If we're, we're way more affected when one character dies than 10,000. Yeah. I think one of the scariest horror movies or horror type movies is Panic Room. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, really cool. Where movie. people just are trying to get into your house, and that's yeah. basically the movie or the situation. That's a scary situation to me. It would be that's something we could being talk in about. my house with my family, and then you know four guys start trying to bust down my door, and that mm-hmm. would be the most horrific scenario I can think of. You know, yeah. and there's and that's Fincher too, right? That is Fincher. And I wish more kind of traditional directors would do a a kind of spooky film. It's kind of, we're seeming like we're going to get that with that new Cloverfield movie. Yeah. True. So we'll see where they, what direction that goes. That's obviously going to be a, probably a surprise. So I do like uh scary John Goodman. So yeah. I'm excited for that. I can't wait to, but uh, what do you think of the last act of this? Other than the, the kind of, we touched on the last scene, but uh, what did you think of the, the last? Yeah, I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't know the, the source of this all. I didn't know if it was the dad who put yeah. the hex on the family. And if he was using this to like, I don't know, to kill everybody. If he was possessed, I didn't know if it was the, the daughter or the main uh, protagonist girl who, um, put the hex on her family and she wanted to join the cult. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know, yeah. but I didn't expect her to kill her mom like she did. And yeah. that was a very, heart-wrenching scene as well and she has to murder her mother on top of her and then her mother dies and there's blood yeah that was bad 
That was like uh what's it called? Gone Girl. Yes. And I didn't yeah. expect the, the the small kid. I mean, all the kids, the smallest kids, all die, mm-hmm. like before any of the adults. I did not. That's what I'm I mean, saying. This goes to a goes to a another place. level, right? Yeah, um, probably the best murder by goat in a film. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would say one the, of the best. I mean, there are multiple. True. I would say. Well, you and I made some films in in high school that had some. We you know we were we were really into goat goat antagonist um, Go- goading hashtag goading it was a trend <laughs> yeah, it was it was a film movement in the early two thousands yeah um, and yeah, as this... another thing uh, here that's scary is getting lost in the woods when the Caleb the kid gets lost in the woods me. for the first time and he's just turning around in every direction and just starts praying like I could feel for that too because that's a whole another like holy crap, uh, you know, kind of scenario. Absolutely. Uh, let alone, you know, even if there's no witch out there, that's a scary scenario. So, so just, yeah, being disoriented, we can yeah. all relate to that. Exactly. So this impressed me in multiple ways. Uh, the acting was pretty spot on for these, me having heard of none of these people Same. or them not being, I assume, big actors at least uh, yet. And uh, they were solid. They were solid performances from the kids as well. And uh, very well written, too. Impressed me. I think I touched on that earlier, but mm-hmm. really impressed me with uh, how authentic it sounded. When it really didn't have to. Well shot, too. It looked pretty, but mm-hmm. also creepy. Very much so. <laughs> Had the very cool New england vibe, too. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like I said at the beginning, the top of this thing, this is a filmmaker. I, I wasn't absolutely head over the heels in love with this film, but he's definitely something somebody I want to keep an eye on going forward. I think they could have done more, and this is a, I'll, I'll just touch on this before we wrap up and get grades here. I think they could have done more scares with the witch, like when they're in the house, and maybe more stuff with her outside the witch outside the house and then okay. realizing, you know what I mean? Just kind yeah. of very simple scares. Like maybe panic one, room, panic yeah, room with maybe the witch. one scene of like them in the house and the witch is outside and, uh, or something like that. I, I, we just never really got that. We got the first look at the witch at the beginning, the full look, and then we get kind of more possession type stuff in the middle. And then the, of course the climax, at the end, but there's not really much witch in between, you know, one more witch. So that'd be my one complaint here. Uh, anything you would have changed? Just not nearly enough laughs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to it's think. a laugh riot, actually. I, I think now you kind of have it in my head. You were talking earlier about maybe the reveal on the witch may have been too early. So mm-hmm. now I'm kind of thinking about that. But Also creepy when they had the hot witch, too. Mm. I'm always, I've, I've dated a few of those. Yeah. Yeah, you can relate. They're always scary. They always possess you. (laughs) So I'm going to give a grade here of an A-. minus. Okay. And uh, this was solid. And um, I want to see more from this director. I don't want a sequel to this. I I think this is kind of a fun little standalone. And one that we'll probably mention in the years to come when we discuss horror and fun horror movies. But uh, A-, minus, solid solid effort and definitely a bright spot in this dark movie season go ahead i'm gonna go with just a flat out b okay the witch uh is playing near you go see it 
if you haven't already seen it, we've spoiled everything, so we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's hit a recommend, Richard. Weekly recommends. This week's Audible recommend is Scarlett Johansson's reading of Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland from Audible Studios. Yes, you can catch up on Lewis Carroll's original Alice in Wonderland before the film adaptation of Alice Through Looking Glass comes out later this year. Yes, to the dulcet, soothing tones of Scarlett Johansson. So head on over to audible.com slash mad to start your free trial today. I want to remind the listener that our shirts are for sale, and there is only a few left. And by a few, I mean seriously like one or two of each size left. Uh, a lot of people jumped on those right at the beginning. Thank you for that. And we'll have some more shirts hopefully coming out later this year. But if you want one now and uh, to wear the, with that new spring fashion, that new spring <laughs> line that you've pre-ordered from The Gap, then uh, do that right now. Matable. That's what I do. I call The Gap and I say, give me that spring line. All of it. <laughs> All of no, it. Pre-order. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen the shirt, Kent designed the shirt. They look awesome. Uh, it's a logo shirt. It's a great way to support it. If you buy a shirt, all we ask is, number one, that you pay for it. I think it's reasonable. And number two, that you send us a picture of you in it. Uh, we shall retweet them. Via, yeah, we'll retweet. We will. If you email us one, we'll throw one up uh, on the Twitter. That's fine. Uh, but we want to we'll see people. Like, like Kent said, these sold very quickly. Like we were we were all in our, we have a little group text thread. They almost sold out within the first hour. It was yeah. kind of shocking. We couldn't believe it. The our, You guys are are so awesome and good to us and we're 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 thrilled to do the show uh but every little bit supports the show i mean it's not going to go to anything dumb it's it's all these do is go to supporting our show and uh and thank you guys so much but there like ken said there will be more shirts and other merchandise coming later in the year that we've been designing and, and kicking around it's been very if very you've fun. thought if you've thought about donating and you haven't done that yet and you wanted something in return this is a great way to kind of donate and get something in return buy a shirt we give you no. the shirt, and we get uh, a little donation to the show as well. And it's uh, $20 for the T-shirt, and we'll ship it to your door. Thank you. I'm going to recommend here in about two weeks, uh, I think the best show on television starts, The Americans on mm. FX. And I, if you haven't gotten into it, you have about two weeks to watch three seasons, which I think if you're – I'm not a, m- much of a binger. I need to take breaks quite often, and, and I get scatterbrained. But if you are a binger – uh, two weeks, you should be able to hammer out about 40 episodes. I think that's that's just two or three a day. And uh, and catch up on, on I think, like I said, the best show on TV. It's it's fantastic. House of Cards also starts here this week. But uh, for my money, Americans, is as good as it gets. It's on FX. It's, it's, we've talked about it before on the show. It's just a fantastic show. So, so very excited for the, for season four, but I would recommend you catch up on one through three because I want this show to keep going and I want new viewers coming in and, and watching season four. So the American seasons one through three are my recommend. Kent, what about you? I'm going to recommend a show on Netflix called love. Have you seen it yet? The Judd Apatow show. I have not. My girlfriend watched every episode in the last three days. Oh, you'll like it. I'm sure I will. And uh, it's very Judd apatow and fun. And we I should talk about it more at some point, but okay. I just want to throw the recommend out there. Did you watch the Master of None? It. Yes, really liked better it. Or, better or worse than Master of None? Oh, I'm not done with Love yet. Okay. It's, on, it's similar. I think Master of None is just... I mean, there's only two people you follow. Love is more... About 
multiple relationships. I don't know. It's different, okay. but similar, but on par, I think. Master okay, of None I, was I really, loved really impressive. Yeah. yeah. I want another season of that. Uh, it got renewed. Have just, you seen Fuller House yet? I haven't. I'm oh, not gosh. the world's biggest Full House person. Neither am I, I but I, I saw the pilot. I'll watch it, I'm it's sure. Full I've House. Seen, I mean, it's yeah. It's not. I get not confused any, by everyone being really it's surprised. Like, oh, like, this is it's what, not very good. It's like, well, Full House is not yeah, very good. It's like, this is, I guess, what Full House is like, is, is if it still <laughs> existed in 2016. Oh, that's, it kind of seems like a SNL sketch. Yeah. But stretched out over a whole season. It got renewed already. So I'm sure that? the numbers were huge. I'm, I just, you got to think this numbers for season two won't be as big. Certainly. If you could bring back in any show from your lifetime, it has to be just your lifetime. Yeah. What show would that be? Home improvement. Re- uh, really? Absolutely. Probably. I mean, simple. Oh yeah. Maybe Seinfeld for sure. Okay. I would bring back home improvement though. would be, would be great. <laughs> I'm bored. I, I was the biggest home. We never talked about that on the show at all. I was too. Home I was, a, was so all in on that. Me too. My whole, that's bigger than me than maybe Boy Meets World for you was for you. I was Tim a home improvement guy too. They were both. I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and uh, my shows were definitely home improvement. Definitely, if you were you a uh, a Brad or Randy or a Mark, <laughs> I was definitely a Randy. Yeah, I was a Randy too. Everyone too. wanted to be Randy. Randy was yeah. a cool one. <laughs> yeah, I was probably more of a Mark, but I was probably more of a Brad. But I like <laughs> to think of myself as a Randy. Um, <laughs> We need dumb. to end. I'm going to end the show from now on with home improvement theme <laughs> instead of Frasier theme. Just because. Uh, I don't know. There might be some outrage. I don't know. Home improvement theme is. All right. Yeah. Wilson Wilson, top three characters. <laughs> that was a great bit. I kept that going for the entire. <laughs> Oh, the finale? Oh, we're still not going to show you. <laughs> I found out like a couple years ago that Wilson died. Yeah. Like, did. and I didn't know he died when he died. Like, I found out he had died like five years prior, and I was pretty shaken for like a day. R.I.P. Wilson. R.I.P. Wilson. Should they should have? Why did they have to take Wilson? They should have taken Richard Carr. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's hit a uh, recommend on where we can find you online. Richard. Hey, you can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden. You can find the uh or you can find me at, my writing at, at richardbarden.com kent where can i find you you can find me on the twitter at kent garrison and you can find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com remember to head on over to audible.com audible.com slash mad yeah that's audible.com slash mad to download your free audiobook now and i'm actually listening to aziz ansari's modern romance oh i'm looking at that book right now on my shelf it is a great audiobook narrated by Aziz Ansari. So head on over to Audible and listen to that for free on audible.com slash mad. And until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Woo! Woo!